0: If you have your bibles you could open up with me to first kings chapter 19 if not that's okay we'll put it on the screens for you but this moment in the bible is after the prophet Elisha mighty man of God is used in a great way he he's able to stand up against these 450 prophets and proves that our God is the one true God and Then he's able to pray in the middle of a desert, in the middle of a drought, for the drought to end, and it does. And the Bible describes that the power of God falls upon him, and he's able to outrun horses and chariots as he runs back inland. And then the very next verse is where we pick up, where it says, now Ahab, Ahab is the king, and he's married to a woman named Jezebel, both of them demon-possessed. Evil man, evil woman. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elisha had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And to be honest, Elisha just proved that her God didn't exist. But yet that did not matter in this moment. It says that Elisha was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God there he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him what are you doing here Elisha what a powerful question I want to take next few moments I want to talk to you from this thought get up and eat It's a prophetic declaration today over your soul, over your mind, over over the spirit of God that's on the inside of you, wrestling through all the emotions and the tension of your stress and anxiety. Get up and eat. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak. Peel back all the layers, all the emotions, all the feelings so we could be the men and women that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, come on, if you agree, can you shout amen? Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, today, I, I've been tasked with the beautiful assignment of teaching and preaching on stress and anxiety. Now, to be honest with you, typically when preaching, there are certain rules that we're supposed to follow. I, I, I was taught one of them being that you never assume Upon your audience and in other words, you're not supposed to assume that everyone That you are speaking to knows what it is that you're talking about However, i'm gonna break that rule Because I believe it is safe to say today that everyone here has undergone some type of stress In one moment or another and has dealt with the deceitful kiss of anxiety First, let me say this your feelings are real And your feelings are not telling you the truth. Your feelings are real and your feelings are not telling you the truth. Both are true, but the greater truth is that these feelings will lie to you. Both are true, but the greater truth is that your feelings are lying to you. And my hope today is to uncover who you are underneath this deceit. See, stress stress is the thief, the thief of passion, and anxiety is the distractor of vision. Stress is the thief of passion, and anxiety is the distractor of vision. So if you've been trying to figure out what's going on in your marriage, if you've been trying to figure out what's happening on the job, if you've been trying to figure out what is mom and dad going through, why are they feeling what they're feeling, what was the shift, I would encourage you just to lean in a little bit more and look beyond the surface and realize that there may be some stress in their life, and there might be some anxiety in their life, and maybe if they're a man, they're not telling you like they could tell you because their stress is telling them that they have to be a man and deal with it themselves. When you can't see properly or feel correctly, you are led to believe that you are a lesser version of yourself. Have you ever not felt like yourself? Have you ever battled feeling like, who am I? What's going on? i remember a few weeks ago i was i was preaching in uh, colorado springs i was absolutely excited to be there it's one of the churches that i get to be a teaching pastor for and on this this one trip I usually have a guy with me named Al. He travels with me everywhere, but for whatever reason, the same way he wasn't able to make it on this trip, he wasn't able to make it with me there before, so I was prepping him the entire time, letting him know about altitude sickness, letting him know, but man, you got to make sure you eat, you got to make sure you drink water, pop two Advil on the plane, which, by the way, I'm not a doctor, so if that's incorrect, forgive me, but I'm telling him, I'm telling him what to do because, because I have been victim of it many times, each and every time that I've been there before. So, so as I'm warning him of this, he, he's preparing, and, and then when we land and we're headed to dinner, all of a sudden, I feel sick. He's fine, <laughs> which was frustrating, by the way. I knew exactly what it was immediately. I felt this before, and I remember not feeling like myself but I remember from the last time, what I needed to do was get some food in my system immediately. And would you know, the moment we got to that restaurant, I asked for some bread. I asked for some water. And within a few seconds, within a few few seconds, I went from not feeling like myself to coming back to myself. all because, All because I got some food in my system. I went from not feeling like myself. To feeling like, ah, there you are. I felt like myself again. I've learned in this season that there are many people walking around feeling like a lesser version of themselves. When I'm talking to people, whether it's in Manhattan or around the country, there are people they're just describing over and over. I just I don't know what it is. I just don't feel like myself. I don't, I don't feel like myself. I, I feel like I'm battling stress, and I feel like I'm battling anxiety. And if we're able to identify the symptom, I can tell you the reason why it is that you are going through what you're going through. It's because the stress is lying to you, and the anxiety is lying to you. See, our anxious minds is robbing the peace of our soul. And our minds, the core of our souls are starving for peace. And unless you identify it, you won't know how to fix it. So at the end of the day, you know what you really need? A good meal. Because the fact of the matter is you are not yourself when you're hungry. You're not going to feel like yourself when you're hungry. This is why Psalm 34 verse 8, the Bible implores us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, as somebody that has battled anxiety and has battled stress and has even battled depression, which we're going to talk next week a little bit more about, I do not want to just minimize these feelings and reduce them to simply all you need to do is eat, but I promise you, I promise promise you when you taste the goodness of God and you taste the the bread of life it will shift everything for you even in the darkest of moments and I felt the Holy Spirit encourage me to encourage you today that this is the moment that through all the stress through all the anxiety through all of the feelings through all of the emotions here's what he's saying to you enough is enough this is the moment where you rise up that warrior that's on the inside of you that man of God that's on the inside of you that woman of God that's on the inside of you you are not the sum total of your feelings you are not even the sum total of your mistakes but your anxiety would tell you otherwise your stress would tell you otherwise this is why the Holy Spirit is saying this to you today get up and eat get up and taste of the goodness of God get up in the name of the Lord eat of his fruit, eat of his word. Because when you do, you, you'll realize, you'll realize that the journey in front of you is too much to make it on your own. In fact, for some of us, it's that mindset in and of itself that God is here. It's trying to do it on our own. Today, the, the challenge that I wanna to give to you is simply, what are you taking in? In other words, What's your diet like? Because if you are not happy with what you're seeing, maybe it could be the byproduct of what you've been putting in. So let me just give you these four things that I could, I could steal from the Scripture and learn from myself so that we could apply it to our lives. Your diet needs to consist of these four ingredients. I want you to write this down. You need good rest, good direction, good food, good company. You need good rest, good direction, good food, and good company. We're going to start with good rest. Somebody shout out, "I I need rest. Your weary soul needs good rest. But let's identify what good rest looks like. Good rest looks like trust and vulnerability. That might stress you out. <laughs> but the truth is good rest, the type of rest that Jesus talks about, the kind of rest that the Bible describes, it's not just taking a day off. It's not just getting off of a cell phone. It's, it's not just laying out in front of a television and eating, eating king cake and, and a whole lot of sweet tea. It's not necessarily that, which I'm not mad at that, by the way. Give me all the king cake, but it's not that. It looks like trust and vulnerability. This allows me to tell God where I'm at. Here it is. And where I've been. This is why Matthew 11:28, I love the message translation, it says, "Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come" to me get away with me and you'll recover your life see that was it for me right there pastor you'll recover your life because there are believers in the room but you haven't felt like the believer you once were you you've been struggling you've been battling there was a time in your life where you could not wait to get in church there was a a time in your life where nobody could keep you from your bible nobody could keep you from your private time remember when all the other things didn't matter so much when when social media was not a distraction television vision was not a distraction stress was not a distraction there was a time where there was nothing that's going to stop you from worshiping jesus getting in the presence of jesus if he woke you up in the middle of the night he woke you up in the middle of the night you spent time in his house it was just you and him him and you does anyone know what i'm talking about the holy spirit is saying i want to restore to you the joy of his salvation i want to restore to you the joy of my salvation tonight because somewhere somehow all the all the worshipers and the praisers they're, they're there but they're they're underneath this stress and anxiety And what he's saying is i want to recapture that today i want to i want to recover that today he says get away with me and you'll recover your life i'll show you how to take a real rest Woo! not that fake rest not that not that I'm just post- posting it on social media so you think I'm rested rest. But that real rest, though. The kind of rest that just trust in the Lord. I don't have to worry about perception. I don't have to worry about a doctor's report. I don't have to worry about, I got some real rest. I'm confident that God is God and he is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. It's that kind of rest. So he says, I want you to walk with me and work with me. I love that. Walk with me and work with me. I love that in a description of rest, he says, work with me. He says, work with me because real rest takes work. That sounds like an oxymoron. Real rest takes work, but we're going to put in that work right now. We're going we're to put in the kind of work that the Bible is describing. Walk with me and work with me. He says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Walk with me and work with me. If you've ever been to therapy, there's this term that they use over and over. You got to do the work. In other words, you can come and sit on this couch. You could come and we could have the conversation. But unless you take the tools that I'm handing you and unless you are willing to put in the work, this is simply another conversation. And in order for you to get out of what you're dealing with, it's going to take some work. But in order to take some work, it's going to take some vulnerability and it's going to take some honesty. And you know how it would start? It would begin with the same question that God asked Elijah. He told me to ask you today. What are you doing here? In other words, what brought you to this place? How did you end up here? How did you end up mighty man of God, mighty woman of God, feeling like you want to give up? Man, that's a fun conversation to have down south on a Sunday where we are infamous for, for just playing church. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you were just fighting in the car, but the moment you stepped out with your spouse, says, bless the Lord, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. God is good. You just told them you were going to cut him in the car. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, who who wants to do the type of church that says, I don't got to put on for anybody. I could just be honest about who I am and what I'm going through. Hey, I need Jesus because Jesus is the answer. He's the way he's the truth, and he's the life. And if we're being honest, the reason why I'm here right now is because I try to do things on my own. So here's the thing. I'm not going to project anymore. I'm not going to pretend anymore. What I am going to be is a man of vulnerability and honesty, because if we're being honest, it's confession that God is here in the first place i confess that jesus is lord and as a result of that my future becomes secure and my eternity becomes locked in to spend with him in heaven but here's the thing about confession you don't just confess and become saved you confess every day so you can learn more about your salvation what are you doing here what in other words what happened and by the way he's god So he already knows the answer. So why is it that he would ask us a question that he already knows the answer to? Because God says, unless you are willing to open up to me, I can't put my hand on it. You want me to bless it, but you're concealing it from me. But if you reveal it to me, I'll be able to touch you where you're at. I'm able to meet you where you're at. I know how you got here. I know what's gone on in your world. But if you keep pretending and behaving like everything is all good, I can't do anything with that. Why? Because I can't bless who you pretend to be. I can only bless who you actually are. So here's a question What are you doing here? Huh? How'd you get here? Well, what happened in your life? What happened in the marriage? What happened when you were by yourself? What happened in the home? What happened in your childhood? What happened while you were driving? What was the conversation that you had? What what happened? And if you were to learn anything, if you were to go on and read read through this conversation with with Elisha and God, he goes on and he deflects and he makes it about everything else and he makes it seem like he's the hero, which is amazing because self-deceit is scary. Come on, anyone good at self-deceit? We know how to lie to ourselves. My goodness, I know how to lie to myself. I am the guy that will go to the gym for a day, <laughs> eat two clean meals, talking about I deserve a cheap meal. You know what I'm talking about? Bring on the alt I deserve it. We gotta be honest with where we're really at and what's really going on. This is why he says, work with me. We gotta put in the work, we gotta get, we gotta get honest about why we're here and what's going on. If you can work with me, I'll teach you how to trust me. If you learn how to trust me, you'll be able to trust me with your present. You'll be able to trust me with your future. More importantly, you'll be able to trust me with your past. Because more than we like to admit, I know it's behind us, but really it may not be. The day might not have passed, but the experience might still be lingering in our heart, in our minds. So when having this conversation, what are you doing here? It could simply be because something happened. I'll never forget. 2021, having my first therapy appointment. That question was asked, how was your childhood? Without even thinking about it. These rush of emotions and repressed memories that I had locked up and only shared in small details with my wife. Things that happened to me when I was seven years old, never wanted to talk about, man, it hit me like a sack of bricks. And as it, as it came out, as it came out, I started to understand. And as I started to walk, I started to learn where that stress came from, where that anxiety came from. Over the course of the last few years, it was this buildup. You know why? Because you could pretend like you're beyond it, but, but it's going to come out some way, somehow. The same way if you eat calories in private and you tell me you didn't eat it. Talking about I'm eating clean, looking like you ate some donuts, you know what I mean? Like Too far, my bad, I'll bring it back, I'll bring it back. We got to be honest, we got to be honest about where we're at, we got to be honest about what we're going through. And here's the thing, it could sound embarrassing until you realize you ain't the only one. We've all been through. We we've all had to walk through it. So so the more we have these conversations, the easier the conversation becomes. This is why I'm so grateful for Pastor Jonathan that he would want to normalize talking about these things. Because the fact of the matter is, that's what brings glory to God by there. I am not the sum total of my experiences, but I cannot dismiss my experiences. And in the face of my experiences, guess what? I'm still going to serve the Lord. I'm still going to praise the Lord. I'm still going to honor the Lord with my life. I'm still going to worship Him. I'm gonna still going to praise Him because. Because even though I might have gone through some things, God is still good. Amen. Come on, if you agree with that, can you shout amen? amen. This is why you need, you need good rest. You need good direction, by the way. You need, a, you need a good word. You need a good word. Your weary soul needs good direction. Good direction comes by prayer and reading. Prayer and reading. Prayer and reading. It is one thing to talk to someone else about God. It's another thing to talk directly to God and then pause long enough so that he could talk back. Whether it's prayer or the word, you know that this book is the only book where the author is always present? He speaks to you and he talks to you while you're reading. I don't care how many times you read that chapter, there's new revelation to uncover. This is why the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. He's gonna encourage you and he's gonna, he's gonna speak to you. Look at what Proverbs 12 verse 25 says. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. But a good word makes him glad. I think when you spend a good amount of time in church, you could think, I don't need another service, and I would beg to differ. I don't need another word as if, as if the word didn't do anything for you. It's not true. It's not true. You might be where you are, dealing with what you're dealing with, but I promise you, it would be worse if you didn't have that word. A good word Does well for your soul. It was a bad word that got Elisha here. He listened to a woman that had absolutely no authority, but because he believed what she said, it got the best of him. Why is this? Is it that there were power in, his, in her words? Uh, it's more so that there's power in the mind. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is. So the fact is, he received those words, and he believed in those words, and as a, as a result of believing in those words, he found himself in a place of anxiety and stress when in reality. He's scared of a woman that made a promise that falls flat. 24 hours later, the promise doesn't come to pass, and yet he's still stressed about it. And what's amazing to me is that he's eating with an angel, and he's still stressed about the woman. I think. I think so often we miss out on what's happening right in front of us because that's the, trickter, that's the trickery of our stress and our anxiety. It will lie to you and tell you that things are worse than they really are when in actuality they're not as bad. But if I could get you to feel bad, you'll think they're bad. And if you think they're bad, then the enemy won. But God says I'm I want to speak to that warrior that's on the inside of you. Elisha was a prophet. I want to speak to that prophet that's on the inside of you. Maybe you're a minister. I want to speak to that minister that's on the inside of you. Maybe you're a missionary. I want to speak to that missionary that's on the inside of you. Maybe you serve in youth ministry, children's ministry, worship team. Whoever you are, whatever you do, you're a husband. I want to speak to that godly husband that's on the inside of you. You're a wife. I want to speak to that godly wife that's on the inside of you. You're a son, a daughter. I want to speak to that that's on the inside of you. And here's what the Holy Spirit's saying. You've been down long enough this is the moment where you get up and you eat of me and you trust of me because when you understand that I am enough you'll realize that you have everything that you need you could stay down but you do not need to live down get up open up your spirit open up your heart to this word because because it's the direction that you need it's not even so much the proximity because if we're close but you're not obeying then what's going to come of it But if you're close and you're hearing and you rise up, it shifts everything for you. And that's what I've learned through therapy. That's what I've learned spending time with Jesus. I've learned both the same things. A good word will heal my soul. Because my words are showing me what's real and what isn't. What's real and what, what isn't. You need good food. Side note, you do need a good diet. I know I'm not gonna get a lot of amens on that one. Sunday brunches a few hours away. But here's what good food looks like. Good food looks like God's word and God's voice. Your anxious soul needs good food. John 65, 35 says, Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry. And the one who believes in me as savior will never be thirsty. For that one will be sustained spiritually. So just answer this question to yourself. What's your diet really like? What are you really consuming? What are you really taking in? Are you just taking in God's word on a Sunday and then just listening to whatever you want on a Monday? Are you you binge watching too many shows? Are you watching shows that are popular but aren't necessarily good for your soul? And I'm not trying to come off like the guy that's condemning you. I'm trying to come off like the guy that's saying it's not worth it. Is it a sin? I don't know if it's a sin, but I'll tell you what, it's not doing well for me. It's not helping me anymore. It's not helping me And he goes. So what do I need to do? I need to surround myself with, with good food. I need to surround myself with good words. I need to make sure that my diet is proper. And here's what I love. He tells them to eat, then rest, then get up and eat again. You are not going to be good off of one meal. It has to be a shift in your lifestyle. This is why anyone that's serious about fitness and health will say, do not diet, because a diet has a beginning and an end. But if you shift your lifestyle, then you set yourself up for a greater future. And and let me just say this, when you eat of the fruit of the Spirit, you are able to sustain by the fruit of the Spirit. But if you just tell me you're eating of the fruit of the Spirit, but I don't see that fruit growing on you, I'm going to say you might just be saying it. I'm going to close here. The same way Elisha ate up the words of Jezebel, and it shifted how he was living. I would challenge us, I would challenge us, that we could be similar to an Elisha. And here's the beautiful thing about an Elisha, he was a mighty man of God. But mighty men and mighty women of God still deal with life. We still deal with hardship. There was a time where the church was saying in the 80s and and the 70s and maybe early 90s that that if if you have stress or if you have anger, if you have sickness, then you somehow may be in sin. And the issue with that type of preaching is that it robs us of our humanity. See, what blesses God is that even in our humanity, we'll still worship him and we'll still honor him. He says, you'll have troubles. You're gonna deal with troubles in this world, but it's those that deal with troubles and worship me enemy and praise me anyway. They're gonna be the ones that see, the, that see the goodness of, of God. Warren Wiersbe describes this as the Elisha complex. It says, it could rob you of power and joy, so beware. Elisha went from victory to defeat because he started walking by sight and not faith. He believed in Jezebel's words, but not God's word. He forgot how God cared for him for three and a half years. Fear replaced faith, and he ran for his life. Listen, becoming so concerned with himself rather than giving himself. You'll notice that if you were to read the verse, verse two, he says, your life. Verse three says, his life. Verse four says, my life. Men and women of God, when did this become our life? I thought my life is not my own. I thought my life belongs to him and I am telling you the moment it shifts, the moment it shifts and you go from victor to victim because of narrative, I am telling you, you will bring on more stress and you will bring on more anxiety because what you'll believe, what you'll believe is that you're going to be the one that has to help yourself to come out of it and the Holy Spirit saying, son, daughter, that's not true. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'm, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. This is why, this is why you need good company. Team, you could join me. Worship team, you could join me. You need, you need good people in your life to help you pray it through. I love this verse in, in Philippians. You've, you've heard this one before. Almost. You could almost guess that I would share this verse if we're talking about anxiety. Philippians 4, 6, if you could put that up for me. It says, do not be anxious or worried about anything but in everything, every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Continue to make your specific request known to God. You know what makes this verse a little bit more beautiful for the context that we're operating in right now? This verse was not written to an individual. This verse was written to a group. It was written to a church and in the church, in community with one another, now think of this verse being read, do not be anxious about anything, but but with prayer and petition, right? With prayer and petition in every circumstance, in every situation, give thanksgiving. Here's what it's saying, as you gather as believers, be honest about your anxiety, but do not allow your anxiety to rob you from prayer and thanksgiving. In fact, let's be honest that we do carry anxiety and let's pray together and let's worship together because I need you and you need me because we are connected and we can stand with one another and we can bless one another and the lie of the enemy is is that you're all on your own in fact i love elisha says he says to god i'm the only one but we just read that he went out of his way to drop off his armor bearer the guy that was there to serve him he got rid of him why because anxiety will make you think that you're by yourself But the truth is, you're not alone. You just chose to isolate. I want to challenge you today. You don't got to do it on your own. It's time to get up. Let's get up together.